We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. going on everybody welcome back to another episode here of setting the pace your go-to pacers podcast i'm your host alex golden i'm joined today by michael olawa candy fachi fachi what's going on brother you're gonna hit me with one of the biggest busts in nba history well i mean look number one uh, overall pick a former number one overall pick that is a glass half full approach but hey you know what? It takes a lot to make it to the NBA, so I I guess I'll take it as a backhanded compliment. Not really sure, but <laughs> man, Alex, regular season Pacer basketball, it's less than two weeks away. It's actually closer to, you know, I'd say a week than two weeks. Yeah, That's how close it is. Man, I'm still really excited, even if the Pacers came back down to earth in their second preseason game. Yeah, no, 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 no doubt about that. Obviously, preseason game number two was drastically different in terms of the, the defensive efforts for the Indiana Pacers, as they only gave up 97 points in the first game, gave up, gave up 131 against the Knicks. So uh, a lot of that just had to come down to the effort from New York compared to the effort from Charlotte, plus overall talent. I think the Knicks are a much more talented team mm-hmm. on paper, and you know, actually talented than a. Uh, then the Hornets, especially that version of the Hornets. But Fachi, before we get into basketball, I think we just kind of have to let this one out here. Both of our teams in Major League Baseball failed to advance in the wild card round. You are a lifetime New York Mets fan. I am a lifetime St. Louis Cardinals fan. This one hurt for me more than it probably hurt for you, only because the end of an era for Cardinals baseball has come uh come upon us and that's saying goodbye to Yadier Molina and of course Albert Pujols who actually played really well in that series so you know that this is a tough one for me to watch this team lose to the Phillies in two games at home but uh at least you pushed yours to three games Fudge. 
I guess, but man, the Mets came out absolutely flat in that deciding game three. Just one hit, two base runners. I mean, it could not have gone worse, even to the point where we were just like, all right, check his ears. He's got to be a substance on him. We can't even hit him. I mean, it was was really bad. Uh, You know, every pretty much every friend I had came out and talked some solid smack after the loss. You at least try to console me. I appreciate that. Yeah, Um, but man, I mean, just. From your perspective, take it as at least you got that reunion with Albert Pujols, and there was a lot of special moments that came with that this year because he caught fire. But and you know what, which we didn't get to talk about on air. You know, Alex Dan also our teams faced off in, in football last week. I oh, mean, yeah. Broncos versus Colts, just an absolute <laughs> barn burner. I mean, a truly a game that what you know, a crappy game. I mean, it was one of those games that, like, you felt like you were owed an apology. It was that bad. So, you know what? It's uh, now baseball's out of the picture for me to focus on. The football season going downhill already. And now, man, I'm just gearing up for my Pacers right here. Because, look, while it's not going to be a great year, the year hasn't started yet. So, I got optimism. Well, I mean, at least we know what we're getting into, heading into. We're not going to get our hearts broken in the playoffs. Yep. Or in the regular season, like we probably will with the Broncos, Colts, and how we already did with the Cardinals and the Mets. So with this, we're just like, let's not get our hearts broken until the draft lottery, right? So we've got optimism until May. So <laughs> with that being said, I think we should bring up just one kind of interesting thing that happened at Fan Gym yesterday. We got an update on Aaron Neesmith, who only played in the first half of that game against the Knicks. And I was a little bit surprised he didn't get get in in the second half, Fachi, but it makes a lot of sense because – we found out yesterday from Rick Carlisle, dealing with plantar fascia, something that we're all too familiar with because of it keeping DeMontis Sabonis out of the, the bubble and for how it kind of lingered for the past two seasons with T.J. Warren. So hopefully this is not a major flare-up and it's a minor thing. We don't know the, you know, the, the I guess you could say, how, how impactful this plantar fascia is right here. But it, it still seems like they're going to hold him out the rest of preseason. Yeah. So, from what I've read, there he will be out for the next two preseason games with a, quote, chance to suit up on October 19th when the, the Pacers play your Washington Wizards in the opener. So, it's going to be oh, unique Lord. to see if that's really too on, soon. Man. I mean, oh, yeah. They don't deny it. Anyway, look, look we don't want to find a new jail. To the point where all of a sudden it lingers because let's be honest. This isn't the year. So do we really need to rush Neesmith out there on night one and risk having a setback? This is going to be a big year for him. So, I, I mean, it's, it's set up to be his biggest year yet. So let's let's take it easy over here. And you know what? If we toss a, a few extra minutes to O'Shea Brissett, I promise you I won't complain. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how Carlisle utilizes that second unit without Neesmith. Um, it feels like O'Shea's been the you know, on the outside looking in, the odd man out. I'm hoping that maybe this opens up some playing time for him, but nothing will surprise me. It would not surprise me if he threw Langston Galloway out there, if he threw James Johnson out there, if he even gives Kendall Brown the minutes, just because at this point, I have no idea how they view O'Shea Brissett. And with that being said, it's something to monitor. I've heard some people say they like him more as a four than a three. So with Neesmith being a three, for the second mm-hmm. unit, maybe that's where Carlisle's wanting to play O'Shea more at the four. I, I don't really know, but I will say this. 
he makes the most sense to get these minutes. He really does. And just to put it in perspective of, of what you said over there, look, O'Shea didn't get into the game to the fourth quarter once again, actually played less minutes than the first preseason game. This time, nine minutes, 23 seconds. Uh, but to call it like it is, Langston Galloway nearly played the same amount of minutes. He played roughly seven minutes in this game. And that's just not a good sign for O'Shea because we don't know if Langston Galloway is even going to make the team. So it just really, and then Kendall Brown once again got into the game before O'Shea. So we know that's not going to be a regular season thing. Like it just really, I, that would surprise me if that happened in the regular season. But it's just so hard to get a read on because we also know last year to start the season, O'Shea just was getting, did not play coaches' decisions for the first mm-hmm. couple of games. So it just really feels like, those minutes got to go to someone. Why not give them to O'Shea? He, he's NBA ready. He's been doing this the last couple of years. And then a guy like Langston Galloway, come on, look, even if he's to make the team, no offense, there's not long-term, you know, potential there with Langston who's, you know, hanging on to his NBA career by threat. Yeah, no, you're, you're right about that. But I don't want to overanalyze this too much. It's only preseason and we'll see how everything shakes out. In the regular season, and we'll see how Neesmith looks coming back from that. But today is Mailbag Podcast Day. We've got a two-parter for you. So this will be part one of the mailbag. We're going to take a quick break, Fachi, and then we'll come back and jump right into the mailbag. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. First question from the mailbag is Sam Colbertson, faithful listener. He said, I think this team could be a little better than people think hypothetically. What is this team ceiling? And also, what do you think Turner would have to do this year to be an all-star? I mean, I'm talking, if we're talking ceiling, like your head is touching the ceiling, I think it's the play-in game. I, I think right over there, I just can't see the Pacers climbing into a scenario where they're legitimately a top six seed. I think if they were in the seven or eight spot, that would surprise people. No offense to the boys, but I just feel like if they were pushing for ninth or 10th, 
that would be solid compared to what expectations are. But Alex, we've talked about it before. The East is stacked. There's teams like potentially the Bulls and Chicago and uh, the, the Knicks that yeah. we touched on just before that they're not a lock for the playoffs. And then also we've talked about the Hornets are probably sitting on the outside. So trying to predict this Pacers team as a playoff team feels like a stretch. So playing game, I feel like, is the ceiling. Now to the second part, what would it take for Turner to be an all-star? Eh, I, to be honest, I think the Pacers would have to be a surprise team in terms of winning because you commonly don't see teams at the bottom of the standings have all-stars. But if you're talking about a guy like Miles Turner who has not been an all-star before, I feel like it would take him having a pretty special year with the Pacers being a surprise team, almost like they want to reward winning. I feel like that's got to be him averaging 15 and 10, three blocks per game, and the Pacers are winning. I think the hardest part is going to be the Pacers winning because I do think that Turner can average 15 and 10. That's not outside of – he hasn't done it, but I think that that's not a stretch. Three blocks per game, he's done that before. But for us to not be winning, that, that that's that's going to hurt him. Yeah, so this is uh, I'm going to be a little bit more pessimistic than you in terms of uh, yeah on on all accounts here, uh, Flachi. I, I think the highest seed we can get is a 12 seed. I I honestly don't think we're going to be able to have a better record than the 11 teams in the Eastern Conference. I view as better than us. I think there is a case where you could see Charlotte kind of tank towards the middle of the season just because they're kind of headed to no man's land and. It wouldn't surprise me if they did that. I think Detroit and Orlando are right there with us, but I think they're better than us. But, you know, I could see a scenario where everything clicks for us. They have injuries. We could get the 12 seed. That's the highest I think we can get, which would not be a smart thing to do. So um, (laughs) that's why I predicted us to, you know, win very few games, just like you, Bocce. So that's where I'm at with that. But when it comes to Turner, I mean, you're talking about an all-star appearance for Miles. He's really going to have to make a splashy – you know, move, not a move, but he's got to be very productive with his playing time in Indiana. And I just don't know if it's going to really be there, to be honest with you. The only way I see him really being able to become an all-star is he's got to average at least 20 points a game and have 12 rebounds a game with three blocks. That's the only way his name even gets put into consideration. And even if that's the case, it's going to be looked down upon because he's going to be on a bad team. So I really feel like he's going to have to get more than 15 and 10 because those aren't all-star numbers. He's going to have to be like a monster on the glass, putting up 20 points a game and getting like three blocks a game. So I think there's a chance he gets three blocks a game, and I think there's a chance he could get into double digits and rebounding, but I just don't see the 20 points. I don't either, and to to be honest, I couldn't get myself to even type out that type of thing. I couldn't say, (laughs) oh, man, like 22 and 12, you know, four blocks, uh, Pacers are winning. Like it just – it seemed like a stretch. I mean, this is a guy, no offense, he just went over four in the preseason game. I, I couldn't type out 22 points per game. So I just feel like it's not in the cards this year, but he could still have a career year very much. But yeah. averaging 15 and 10 on a team dwelling around the 12th to 15th spot in the East, that's not the 15 and 10 that gets weighed heavily during all-star consideration or even 20 and 10. So uh, next question over here, we got faithful listener Dalton Chubb said, what's your guys' bold predictions for this season? I don't really have a bold prediction for this season. I mean, what am I supposed to say about this team? Like, they're going to be the worst team in the Eastern Conference? Is that a bold prediction? I don't really think it's bold. Um, This is, I don't know. I think Matherin starts 50 games. I don't know. Is that a bold prediction? 
I don't think it is because if he, I think if he started below fifty games, some people would be pretty annoyed. But yeah, man, this is this is tough. I man, I hate. I don't really have one. It's it's kind of hard. I don't, I I don't want to have like a hot take just to have one. It, it, exactly, and that's how I am. Like I never ever want to lie to you guys. If I don't believe something, I don't say it. But just to play along, my bold prediction was the Pacers start the season three and zero. They beat Washington, San Antonio, and Detroit. We Woo! start to think, wait a minute over here, and then it kind of comes crashing down. So 3-0, it's not all of a sudden really like this hot take or anything, but if you wanted something a little bit spicy, I'll spice it up for you. I'll, how about this? Bold prediction. Benedict Matherin finishes as the runner-up for Rookie of the Year. Oh, I like that. Year. I'll, okay, I'll give a bull prediction. I think Aaron Neesmith has the best season of his NBA career. Oh, man, we're really getting bold over here. <laughs> I'm just saying, number-wise, he's going to be a good shooter, I think. If he can stay healthy, I think he's going to have a career year for himself, I guess I should say. And if I want to do another bold one, let's see here. Man, this isn't bold. I was going to say, I think Jalen Smith leads the team in rebounds at the end of the season. Uh, I don't think that's bold at all. I'd say it's between him and Turner, and if Turner gets traded, then it feels like Jalen Smith's, uh, you know, spot for the taking. So, yeah, some preseason rebounds. Do, right, I, well, do I need, a, nine. Do I need uh, to get bolder than this? You've got to get real bold. Man, good grief. How bold can you get? Oh, man. I don't even know. <laughs> this is what I'm trying to think of. Like, what's even worth being bold about? I don't know. I What I knew was I wasn't going to, like, I was not going to throw out some, you know, proclamation of like, the Pacers will get in the play-in game. Like I wasn't going to do that because I don't believe in it. So three and zero, that was that was pretty much as spicy as I can get. Okay, I will. I'll give you a bold prediction here, Faji. I think five players are traded before the end of the season. Okay, well there we go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, we're we're expecting some deals, but five players. I mean, that that'll definitely be the interesting that, one. That's that's. I'm not going over five, but I think five players will be off the team by the trade deadline. I can live with that one, other than over Jalen Smith leading us in rebounding. So okay, good good, good stuff. Uh, uh, what question you got next? Yeah, Aaron M said, "What's the last season you've been more excited for than this one?" I'm going to say, and maybe this is just, you know, looking back, knowing, you know, what's happened over the last few years, but 2013-2014, coming off of pushing the Heat to seven games in the conference finals, I was absolutely jacked up out of my mind waiting for Pacer basketball, like a kid hyped up on sugar. I mean, literally, I felt like we were getting a healthy Danny Granger back. All right, we added Luis Scola. We added C.J. Watson. The, I felt like the bench was, was, was shirt up at this point. Then... You know, if I had to pick another one more recently, 2018-2019 season, coming off of pushing LeBron and the Cavs to seven games in round one, I mean, you got to think about we got Sabonis emerging. We're adding Tyreek Evans. It felt like now we're going to make a run, and this is something sustainable. Obviously, that's the year, you know, Vic gets hurt. Things change, but uh, those were the last two seasons that I was really fired up about. Yeah, I would definitely say 2018, 2019. And for every reason that you just said, I mean, we came into 17, 18 thinking, oh, we're going into a rebuild, right? No expectations were set. And then all of a sudden, this team just, boom, they just come out of nowhere. They're the four seed, right? Or they're the fifth seed. I can't remember. Uh, They're the fifth seed. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, fifth oh, they seed. They were the fourth, weren't they? The fourth in they had home court, but all not of a against they, the Cavs, not against the Cavs. Oh, oh no, 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 no! I thought you were talking about 2018, 2019. No, 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 no. I, the, I think they were the fifth seed both years because they played Boston on the road to start out. But yeah. Um, anywho, what I was trying to get at is the the Pacers going seven games as the five seed against LeBron and the Cavs. You just were like, oh my gosh, this team like has just exceeded all expectations. Victor Oladipo is on the rise. Like he's going to be this, you know, next level superstar. Hopefully, I mean, he hit every game winner that he took. It felt like, and Sabonis was coming into his own, and Miles was coming into his own, and all the vets were there being present. And so you thought, okay, this is a really fun team. Let's get behind them. 2018, 2019 happens, then Vic goes down, and that's kind of what killed that. But I think we were all incredibly excited about that 2018, 2019 team, and I think some fans got pretty excited about 1920 when we got Brogdon and T.J. Warren and Lamb in the offseason. Mm-hmm. But I, I just feel like it had died down a little bit because we knew the injury concern was still there. But, yeah, I mean, getting the fifth seed in that year after expecting to not win and probably be a lottery team, I thought that was pretty fun. Uh, that that was a year that I think everybody's in agreement of. Expectations were so low and the Pacers overexceeded it that much that it really was a fun year that we'll always look back on the Vic game winners. In 2019-2020, that is when the Pacers had the fourth seed. Just looked it up, but obviously everything came crashing down. I mean, the bubble and everything, and mm-hmm. you know, Simonis didn't play, and just, uh, it, you know, it, it was tough. Yeah. Um, but moving on to the next question we got, uh, Ricky Kelly said, how many games until Rick has to start Matherin? How many games until Buddy Hill is traded is another way you could phrase this question. I believe Matherin will come off the bench until Buddy is gone. And I think that could indicate that Buddy is traded before the calendar year is over because I think the Pacers want to give Matherin as much time in the starting lineup. But I don't know if you notice this or not, Fachi, but in that last game between the Knicks and the Pacers, you know how many minutes Matherin played with Tyrese Halliburton? Uh, How much? 38 seconds. That's it. So he's staggering their minutes for whatever reason. I'm not really sure why. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but I think maybe they're trying not to showcase them together as much right now. So that way the opposing teams don't see it too often. I have no idea what the thought process is behind that, but I really believe that they like Matherin coming off the bench right now. I think Matherin's kind of proving himself as the leader of that second unit. Definitely, if you look at the if you look at that second unit with Neesmith, O'Shea, not sure. Good grief. Terry Taylor, Isaiah Jackson, Aaron Neesmith, and T.J. McConnell. You know, McConnell's really the only other creator out there for them besides Mather. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of asking him to do more. So I, I think they kind of like that. and They're kind of getting a chance to see what he looks like against second units doing that before they put him into that starting lineup. So that's where I'm at with that. But I, I definitely think once Buddy's traded, there's no doubt Mather is going to be in that starting lineup. And it might even push them to trade Buddy sooner to get him in there. Man, we really got Rick playing chess out there, saying they're never going to know what hits him come the regular season. But, you know, know. meanwhile, we're like, yeah, so 23 wins or 25? Um, But, (laughs) you know, overall, look, I know everyone's just itching for Matherin to be in the starting lineup, but he is more featured in that second unit. He is. He's he's becoming kind of like the guy with that group. And obviously, the Pacers are going to stagger minutes a bit more than, you know, than what they're doing right now, where right now it feels like they're almost kind of running some shifts where it's like the starters are playing with the starters and then they kind of have the second unit. Um, but, I, man, I tried to go through the schedule and be like, all right, well, what about this? And 
I just don't think that Rick's just going to be like, all right, you know what? We're changing up the lineups at like, you know, in the, the back end of October or early November. I do think that they like Buddy as that starting shooting guard right now. Duarte's role, I think, could be the one that could potentially make a little bit of a change. But I think they want to get Buddy's value up. How much further is his value really going to go, though? That's the thing. And we typically don't see trades in the first month or even really in November. So after December 15th, I feel like they could they could make a move over there unless this Lakers move happens, uh, actually materializes, which I don't know if it will now that we're you know inching very close to the season. Well, so, give, give them a few weeks to see how bad they are, and I think they might be more desperate. I mean, that's one thing to keep an eye on. Um, absolutely. But it, it could be similar to what happened with Oladipo, right, when he got traded to the Rockets and mm-hmm. the trade that got us Karis LeVert. It was one of those things where no one saw it coming. Vic actually was playing decent for the Pacers, and they just kind of flipped him when the right deal came along. So I think that you could look at that as well. But, yeah, I, I don't really know if Duarte is going to lose his spot in the starting lineup, and I'll tell you why, because I was looking at – the defensive rating numbers from last year, Fachi, in terms mm-hmm. of just like individual player, believe it or not, the player that actually played legitimate minutes that had the highest defensive rating on this Pacers team last year, DeMontis Sabonis. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, don't know that why. Is. Duarte was like, because like some of the guys were like Justin Anderson and guys like that that didn't play a whole lot, so I don't really yeah, count that. Count. Yeah. yeah, so guys that played like significant minutes. I think Keelan Martin was up there, but he didn't really play that long with them before they let him go. So I'm talking about like prominent guys on the team. It was Sabonis, and then the next closest person to him was Duarte, and then Turner right behind him. So with them having the highest defensive rating, I thought that that was pretty interesting. Like I, I even double checked myself to make sure like I wasn't looking at it wrong. I didn't have it like toggled the opposite way where it was showing like they were the worst defenders. Like no, Sabonis apparently had like the fifth highest defensive rating from the team above uh, in terms of like overall the team that players that played on the team last year, but was the highest rated for guys that were consistently getting minutes. But with Duarte being second, it just kind of felt like, okay, most of the lineups I feel like that were impactful defensively had Duarte in them. So that's why I don't think his role is going to get changed. But um, are you ready to move on to the next question? I am. All right, let's move on. Dontrell Bullies, he said, my question is, what do you think about Miles Turner to Golden State, Buddy Heel to the Lakers, and the Pacers get – Russell Westbrook, Jordan Poole, and a first-round pick from the Lakers, he said, mailbag me. <laughs> I I just don't see it happening. Uh, here's the thing. Like, Gold State, we we forget, and rightfully so. Gold State still has James Wiseman over there, who, you know, tell me if you haven't heard this before, is finally healthy. But so I feel like Gold State would, would like to, A, give James Wiseman, you know, actual playing time. But, B, we've heard reports that they really – like Jordan Poole, want to re-sign Jordan Poole. So, you know, why get rid of him over here? So just breaking it down, I just don't see this trade happening. I think if the Pacers were able to pull this off, that's really good. But then you'd have to pay Jordan Poole, you know, upwards of $100 million, which, you know, given his position, I don't think that's really a position of need for the Pacers. So I just don't see this deal happening. No, I think Bill Simmons had like threw out a random trade basically on his podcast that was kind of centered around a three-team deal. Jordan Poole was not involved in the deal. Draymond was in it. Yeah, Draymond to the Lakers, Turner to the Warriors, Westbrook to the Pacers, and then you'd probably throw Buddy over to L.A. too. So then the Lakers are getting Buddy and Draymond. The the Warriors are getting Miles Turner, and the Pacers are getting Westbrook and a pick. You know, I don't know. I mean, 
it makes some sense because of whatever happened between Jordan Poole and Draymond Green, that video that leaked. Draymond stepping away from the team. I think Stephen A. Smith reported today or said on his show, I don't know if it's reporting, but said that Draymond wants to be at the Lakers. So however you want to look at that drama that's going on there, I don't really care. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense for either side. I mean, unless we're getting some ungodly picks from both Golden State and and the uh, the Lakers to help facilitate this. But I don't necessarily see the Warriors helping out the Lakers at all by giving them Draymond Green, especially that's what he wants. But I can definitely see where they might be a little bit frustrated and might not want to lose him for nothing if he walks in free agency. So they've got to make a decision. Draymond has been a pivotal part of that team for a long, long time. But I also feel like uh, if, if you watch any of the playoffs last year, you could tell that he did take a step back from what he was oh, yeah. a few years ago. No, he, he definitely is. And the money that he's making is a lot. Um, yeah. But man, I, I just feel like the Warriors know what they have in Jordan Poole. I think he's going to have another really good year. I think they do want to make it work over there and pay him. I think that Draymond could be that guy that could be traded to kind of create that, you know, that extra money to be able to pay him, even though the Warriors are not a team to hesitate going over the salary cap. They have paid some very large tax bills. So Mm. bottom line, I don't see the Warriors moving Jordan Poole. They already have James Wiseman kind of sitting over there. So but I'm not that- I'm not buying into that James Wiseman stuff. He's got to prove he can be healthy and prove that he can be impactful. I think Turner has already proved that to a certain degree. Maybe not so much on the injury stuff, but I mean yeah. still, I mean, I, I think I'd much rather have Turner than James Wiseman, especially if you're looking at Steph and Clay and Poole and, and that team trying to win. But I just think trading Draymond this season just doesn't really help the chemistry of that team. No, not at all. So overall, yeah, like I get it. Bill Simmons had a similar trade, so this kind of sparked that. But I just don't see this move kind of materializing right now. I do think the Lakers and Pacers will continue talks from time to time, but I don't know if the Warriors are going to get involved. Yeah, no doubt about it, Pachi. I'm sorry to keep rambling about that, but we can move on to our next question. A next question, Matthew Peck, our guy, said, uh, what realistically could you get for either Tice or Bataze in a trade, how low would either of you be willing to go in either trade or buyout? I would not buy out Daniel Tice. I know that sounds crazy, but he's got too many years left on his deal, even though that third year, I believe, is an option. Um, yeah. Still two more years of $8 million. They've already bought out some of the younger players that they acquired in the Celtics trade, so I don't think that's a, a viable option. With Bataze, I don't see them buying him out either just because he's on his rookie contract. They just lose that money next year. Why do they need to buy him out anyway, considering that they have so much cap space? So for me personally, I, I think the most realistic type of trade here is dumping Batadze and Tice for some kind of similar salary with a second-round pick attached to it. Um, with, with Tice, you're probably going to have to take back either um, a really bad – not really bad, but like – equally bad salary from another team that fits maybe more of your roster's needs than another center. Um, With Batadza, you might be able to get a better second-round pick just because he's on an expiring. You would give that team his bird rights and free agency. He'll be a restricted free agent. So that's the enticing thing about trading Batadza versus Tice. But, you know, I think there's going to be teams that are looking to, to win that might like Tice as a depth piece. And that's where you kind of bank on that. Maybe they're desperate and give up something that's uh, of decent value. But right now, I don't really see um, 
in terms of like how low I would go, I think you're probably looking at a second round pick that's not great with a you know with salary coming back that's probably similar to Tice's, maybe a little bit less, but potentially a little bit more. Oh man, I mean, when you're asking how low, I'm talking you know limbo status, bending over backwards, seeing how <laughs> low I can go to the floor because I I don't think we're going to be able to get anything for yeah. Daniel Tice right yeah. now. This is a guy who over the next two years is owed. Just about eighteen million dollars guaranteed. Then he has that team option in year, you know, year three or three years from now, and nine and a half million dollars. Which look, he ain't gonna see that. But I, I think that the Pacers might not be able to move Daniel Tice until after this year, when there's just one year guaranteed left on his deal. I think he might just be that insurance big, who's just kind of a veteran who, who's there in case anything happens. But there's just not a team right now that's like, you know what? We're we're one Daniel Tice away from making a run. I, I feel like right now, when you're talking about, hey, if we can combine both of them, what team really needs two centers in a trade? So it's a tough spot. I do think Goga being 23 years old, I think that he's going to be easier to move. Like you could include him in a deal if you're trading, say, like Buddy or something like that. But I don't know how many teams are going to want to take back Tice with Buddy and then also still give up something of significance. So it's going to be tough, but every now and then I feel like, you know, maybe OKC could take a swing over here uh, on uh, on Goga because I don't think the Pacers are going to be, I mean, we're obviously not in the market to be trading a first round pick just to get them off the books. That mm-hmm. wouldn't be smart. But Goga, on the other hand, it's roughly about, you know, four and a half to five million dollars for this year. It's not that crazy, but there's no need to buy him out but I think that you could attach a second-round pick to him and be able to get him off the team. Yeah, I agree with that, Fachi. I, I think, honestly, when it, when it comes to trading these two guys, don't be ecstatic about anything you're going to get back in return because they're at the bottom of the totem pole in terms of minutes here on the team and how they're valued. So their value is probably what they're going to get back. Uh, how they value them is what they're probably going to get back in trade value. So, I, I, I like you said, I don't know how much lower you can get. <laughs> it feels like they're already at the low, so low. I think... Uh, just because of Batadze's age and restricted free agency, he might be a little bit more enticing to a team. For example, like a San Antonio that might believe in Batadze being a, a good center, just not with the right team. But there's always going to be a team that will need center depth. Mm-hmm. That's where Daniel Tice comes into play, especially if you're looking at a team that has an injury, unfortunately, to one of their center depth pieces. For example, like we know about Tristan Thompson getting bought out last year signing with the Bulls, right? I mean, that was something that they thought was a good pickup, but obviously Tristan wasn't great there. They got Andre Drummond this season in free agency, and if for some reason he goes down with an injury or something, then they could look at Tice as a backup center and maybe want to trade something of uh, equal value for him. But with that being said, Flatchy, let's move on to our next question here from Juan Judah. Is it my turn to read or is it your turn? I believe it's yours. Okay, let's do it. Matherin looks like a starter, and I don't think he should come off the bench. I know we have to generate value for Buddy, and starting uh, him may help, but how many games do you think Benedict will start this year, and what do you think he averages? Thanks, guys, and keep up the good work. Man, look, Matherin is absolutely 110% starter material, but he can be more featured in that second unit. And honestly, like I mentioned earlier, I don't know how much higher Buddy's value is going to get but I do think that he is poised for a, a pretty good year with the Pacers. They are allowing him to do more than he was able to do in Sacramento. But 
I just don't know if the Pacers are as concerned with starting Matherin right away as us fans are. So I would like to be able to peg Matherin at, hey, could he start 60 games this year, 55, something like that. But I don't see him being an every game starter from day one, unless there is an injury, because the Pacers are still trying to trade Buddy. And I think that if you do put him in that starting lineup, it could be a little bit more enticing. But it's not going to be like the NFL where if he's not starting, he's not playing. Like this isn't like a backup quarterback who's not seeing the field. Matherin's going to be playing nightly. He's going to get quality minutes, and he deserves all those minutes. So I wish I could say, hey, you know what? On this date, Benedict Matherin is is starting. But one thing I just looked at is, look, Friday, December 9th, that's when the Pacers are coming off of a seven-game road trip. I would imagine by then things are starting to go down south. Maybe, you know, when the Pacers <laughs> return home, maybe they could say, hey, let's put them in the starting lineup and usher in a new era. But even then, that's 25 games into the season. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's tough. I mean, I'm looking at some of the former first-round picks the Pacers have had in the last, you know, decade whatsoever, you know. And looking at guys in the lottery, we know Chris Duarte had to start last year because of injuries. Now, if Karis Silver would have mm-hmm. been healthy, yeah, Warren would have been healthy. He doesn't start, okay? So he's coming off the bench, and we don't know how many he starts. But even Duarte, I mean, how many did he start last year, Pachi? Like 40-some games, something like that? Um, I'll I'll look that up Look that up in a second. But Mm -hmm. I was looking more so at, like, Miles Turner, okay? This is a guy that only started in 30 games his rookie season, and they put him in towards the second half of the season because he was their best option next to Jan Jan Mahimi. So – you know, it was cool to to see those two guys play together, two guys that could block shots. You know, Miles was known for his three-point shooting, and he didn't play a ton. He only played 22 minutes a game. So they did kind of stagger their minutes there a little bit, but they started out with him, got him that experience. And then Paul George, if you go back to his rookie season, he only started in 19 games. So, you know, it's one of those things where he didn't get the opportunities early, but he proved why he should. And then after that, he pretty much started every game that he was on the Indiana Pacers, except for the year that he had the broken leg when he only played in six games and didn't start one of them. So, you know, it's it's tough because we're all excited, like you said, to see him. But at the same time, you don't want to rush it. And I think he's looked really good as that backup too right now. So mm-hmm. no reason to, to overthink it. But I, I do believe that throughout – time throughout this regular season he's gonna crack that rotation he absolutely will and to answer your question before Chris Duarte started 39 games 39 okay so roughly half the season but obviously we know Duarte dealt with injuries that limited him to just 55 games so you know he was on pace to start you know quite a few the majority of the games that he played in so Mm. I, I do think that Matherin once he becomes a starter they'll stick with him as a starter instead of kind of putting him in the starting lineup and taking him out and all this. So there will be the Matherin era that is ushered in at some point in the starting lineup, but he just might not be on October 19th. Right. And I think one thing to point out too, is like, even though Duarte started out the year um, with a starting five, when Levert came back, we saw a lot of Justin holiday as that this starter over yeah. Duarte. And, you know, Duarte said it was hard for him because he liked starting versus coming off the bench. So I, I think, Whatever reason why they did that, Carlisle decided, you know, we're going to go with a more veteran lineup. We're trying to win games here. Duarte's a rookie, making some rookie mistakes. So we're going to go with the veterans and Justin Holiday. We know he's an Iron Man, didn't hardly miss any games. And 
wanted some consistency with his lineups, but he could never get that. So that that definitely plays a factor into how many games they start. But I, I think it's good for Matherin to earn it to a certain degree instead of just be handed to him. And I think so far through preseason, you know, one, I, I agree, Matherin's proving that he deserves that. But Fachi, before we wrap up part one here of the mailbag, I do have a bonus question for you. Oh, this one comes from a familiar friend of yours, Amy. She said, would Fachi eat a pickle for a Pacers championship oh. and to be courtside when they win? Oh, my God. She would. So if everyone knows, this is my wife. <laughs> my biggest hatred in life is pickles. I <laughs> I hate how they smell. I, I refuse to eat one. And she dangles every type of scenario in front of me like, okay, if we do this, like, would you eat a pickle? And I'm always like, no. But it's like, yes, for for the Pacers to win a championship and be courtside, I would eat a pickle. I, I will I will go that far. I'll say that. Are we talking like a full-size pickle or just like a crinkle I mean, pickle that's cut? Oh god. In my head, I was I was thinking about one of those little slivers of throw on a sandwich. But oh, <laughs> just a sliver, not a full-size one. I mean, to take down a full pickle, I I, I think I would probably puke. But um <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. I think I would puke on the floor, and I really hope a Pacer player does not slip on it. Um, but, I mean, when we're talking about a championship over here, everything's got to be on the table there. Uh, I mean, I appreciate the sacrifice, Fachi. I'm a semi-picky eater myself. I do not really care for pickles, but if I ate a pickle, it wouldn't be the end of the world to me. I can get through it. What is it about them that you don't like? Honestly, they slipped a pickle on my on my burger once a long time ago, and I bit into it when I was young, and it just like grossed mm. me out, and I was like, never again. So um, even now, when I go to to order like a you know a sandwich or something like that, it's got pickles. Ah, I take the pickles off, and you know, babe is always like, just leave them on. I'll take them. And then I got like that pickle residue on my yeah, sandwich. That's the worst. Exactly. I'm like, Ugh. like, can't you just take them off and put them on the side? But she always makes me keep them on. I give them. She always gets my pickle. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> o- overall, look, that's like that one line in the sand I've drawn where it's like a Pacer championship better be guaranteed with this pickle. Yeah, okay, well, there we there we go. So if you guys want to torture Fachi, <laughs> message him for his address, and you can email him, or you can email, you can ma- uh, mail him pickles. And oh, if he doesn't don't. eat them, his his wife will eat them. So yes, with that being true. said, Fachi, we're going to end up, we're going to end part one here. Can you let people know where they can find us at on social media? Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at setting pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F A C C I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok at setting the pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. That wasn't as energetic as usual. Um, a little disappointed, but <laughs> oh, YouTube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast. If you can't find us there, like I say every time, go to Google, type in setting the pace on YouTube. We will be there on your first search engine. But with that being said, if you're excited that the Pacers are back in preseason action for another game against the New York Knicks on Wednesday, say these three words. Let's go Pacers. Let's go Pacers. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.